are Cisco, where we are putting the spotlight on shared perspective, dialogue, and culture. So you have colorful hair? Don't care. Tattoos? Show us your ink. Got a unique style? That's cool. Pop culture geek? Many of us are. So we invite you to join us in real discussions of passions and vulnerabilities and learn what it really means to be a Ciscoian. Welcome to the conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of the We Are Cisco podcast. Today, Madison and I have the pleasure of having a special guest with us, Patrick Brown. Patrick, say hello to our audience. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. We're so excited to have you, Patrick. So why don't we do this? We'll start with this. Why don't you give us a couple minutes and tell the audience who you are and what you do here at Cisco and maybe share a couple of facts about yourself. Yeah. So I am am a director in in customer experience. Uh, I you know, lead a team in an amazing organization, um, of course, in the number one uh, company in the world. But, you know, my team is really charged with accelerating technology adoption and you know, maximizing the value our customers receive from their investments and in our solutions. And so that's a little bit, you know, about what I do today, but how I got here, right, there's a whole story behind that. Oh man, I'll bet, I'll bet. So, 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 so many people and so many guests that we have in Madison, I'm sure you can identify with this is that there's a story about your professional life, then there's a story about your personal life. And I think we live in some interesting times. And Cisco has been a very bold company in terms of challenging different things that are going on in our society in terms of elevating leadership in terms of diversity. Uh, so perhaps maybe share us a little bit more about your personal story and how you got to be a senior director at Cisco, because that's a big deal. It's very hard to get to that rank at Cisco. Yeah, without without a doubt, right? It's it's really it shaped me and and you know it it really helped me get where I am today. So I mean, if I had two words to describe the start of my journey to where I am today, uh, the two words would be poverty and pain. Uh, my journey to Cisco started as a young kid in the inner cities of St. Louis uh, during. The war on drugs, right? At a time when violence and crime was at an all-time high and hope and opportunity was incredibly low. Uh, so it was in this environment where, you know, I experienced the horrors of poverty and, and really felt what it was like to be marginalized and, you know, seemingly forgotten. Uh, for example, by the age of 16, I had lost numerous family members and friends to to gun violence in the prison system. Uh, Many who never reached their potential. Uh, I had experienced the trauma of police raids and the humiliation of vehicle searches. Um, I had been jumped by gang members, um, stabbed, uh, shot. And on top of all of that, you know, I was a high school dropout and, and a teenage dad. And as you can imagine, um, you know, I was on a path to seemingly prison or in early grades um, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's unfortunate. The reality for many people that grew up in the inner city still today. Um, so despite all of that ad- adversity, you know, I wasn't going to let an environment consequenced by centuries of systemic and structural racism determined the terms of my life, nor the limits of my potential. And not only my, you know, my daughter deserved more, I deserved more. 
And so that was there was a real pivot point for me. Um, I purchased my first computer at 18. Well, I actually rented it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I read my first Cisco Press book at, at 19, uh, attained a CCIE three years later, and I joined this amazing company. Um, that is really, you know, my accelerated path from uh, poverty and pain to uh, starting the journey to where I am today, you know, director and customer experience. What a journey that is. I mean, we, we often hear non-traditional pathways to Cisco, you know, those who didn't graduate college or didn't go to a major university. But I think your story, while it's unique in itself, it, it definitely would probably ring true with a lot of our listeners. You know, you don't have to go the, the normal paved way, I guess you could say, like you, you really can carve out your own path to Cisco. And when you have that hunger and determination, like you just illustrated, anything is possible. Yeah, it, it no, it truly is. It, it's really, you know, technology um, really accelerated my path uh, to where I am today and, and very fortunate. And I think that's an opportunity we have uh, as we look at social injustice, social justice, right? There's a lot of people that were in that same uh, situation that I was in. And, you know, just, it was really opportunity. Um, and mm. that really allowed me to um, just have limitless potential, limited op- opportunity to, to excel. So. Wow, Patrick, that, that's very powerful. So I, I want to double click on something here, right? Because what you've just told us and shared with us is a unique narrative, right? So many times we hear about the path to leadership, whether it's at Cisco or out there and beyond, it's through internships and it's through getting a you know, four-year degree. And you shared some very personal stories, right? And you also mentioned your children. As a father myself, I'm a big believer in sharing with my son and my daughter difficult conversations about difficult topics and their path in the world may not be like everyone else's path. And not that we want to preach weakness to them, but it's also just being a realist. And, you know, so talk to us a little bit more about how growing up, how you grew up and making it through the challenges that you made, how has that affected the relationship you have with your children and how you raise them and how you bring them up in this new world that we're existing in today? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the elephant in a room. Because, uh, yeah. you know, as you know, with parenting, there's no playbook. Nope. And uh, to, to really raise children, um, especially with what's going on today, um, it's, you know, it, it's, it, there's difficult conversations, but necessary conversations. Um, as you know, right, when COVID hit, um, and just the, what we are experiencing as, you know, uh, not only a country, but all across the world and some of the stress and challenges that's causing, um, you know, I think from a African American perspective, right, you can layer it on. So, you had COVID and, you know, the, the outcome there was, you know, African-American community uh, increased impact uh, in terms of debt, you know, resulting from COVID. And then you layer it on. I think you had the Ahmaud Aubrey story. Um, you had the Breonna Taylor story. And then you had um, uh, George Floyd. And those things are kind of layered on. And it really made a difficult environment. So, you know, with my kids, I'm of a simple philosophy, right? I think I will, I fail my kids if I'm not talking about race and racism. Um, We have to talk about it in the context of the past, the present, 
and what we want the future to look like. Um, one of the things, so a couple of things that happened that really opened my eyes to that because I, you know, I had thought about, hmm, I, I'll probably wait till my kids a little older before I really talk about racism and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, I was at breakfast one morning and, and my sons were sitting across the table from each other and, you know, they were just talking about what they want to be when they grow up, right? Not like normal kids. And um, my son asked the other, uh, my youngest son, about, you know, why do you want to be a king when you grow up? And my youngest son replied was, well, I can't be a king. I'm not white. And wow. I literally, right, I had to pause, right? Because you want to pause, you just don't want to react. So I had to pause and really think about that. And and I'm like, where did he get that from? And, and, you know, I'm, he's growing up in a, in a household. Um, you know, I'm a, I consider myself a, um, you know, a father, strong leader presence in the household. And, you know, it's just the, the fact that, and the reality that from school, obviously he, you know, you read books. Yes. He's probably never saw someone in a, a you know, book or a fairy a story that was, you know, black an image. Another thing, just real quick, is this is more recently, uh, my daughter, um, she, you know, you create these little avatars, they play little role playing games. And she was talking to my my son and she said um, she was concerned about creating an avatar that was, you know, of color because she was worried that the police were going to go in there and kick her out of the game. So that really hit home to me in terms of, you know, really have to not want, you know, be careful in terms of, you know, news and what kids watch and how they interpret it. Right. You have to be, you have to be active as a parent and be there. Um, And two, right. I don't want my daughter growing up having to put on, believing she has to put on a mask in corporate America to fit in. I want her to be her best selves. And I don't want my kids growing up thinking they can't be leaders or in positions of power. Right. So all of those things, you have to have that conversation, I believe. Otherwise, they're going to get shaped in other ways. Absolutely. And I think, too, you know, just to to kind of dig deeper into that is is the media representation and, you know, the the dolls on the shelf when you go to the toy store or, or you order them from Amazon, you know, you look at it and you think, especially in your daughter's position, like, is she seeing herself in those toys? She's not Mm -hmm. seeing herself in that avatar. And that's so heartbreaking that she immediately identifies, you know, with the color of her skin being in this character that the police are going to come and, you know, kick her out. That's, that's so sad. And I, I feel terrible that that's immediately how she thinks because she shouldn't feel that way. It's so unfortunate Mm -hmm. that your daughter's so young it just automatically has that reaction, you know, because I've never met her, but I'm sure she's beautiful. She's got a great personality and she is her own unique self. And if we could just, you know, get our kids and, you know, just each individual to embrace that, like our world would be such a better yeah. place. And because we all have such unique perspectives and we all bring something unique to the table. And when we're kind of squashing that or systems are squashing that, like we're completely losing out on that potential and the possibility to be greater as a collective of unique individuals, you know. And so, I think it's just unfortunate, but it's interesting. And I think that there is a lot of progress, but, you know, we still have a long way to go. 
We're always looking for great people to join our company. If these conversations are resonating with you and Cisco sounds like your dream workplace, visit cs.co backslash team Cisco to learn how you can become a Ciscoian. Patrick, uh, thank you for sharing that story. That can't be easy to share. And as a fellow parent, um, you've got an interesting party on this call, right? So, you know, you are a senior director at Cisco. You're probably further along your career than I am. Um, I'm in the middle, right? And then Madison is, I think, uh, behind me. She's a bit younger and, you know, she's just getting married and, you know, she's just starting out. So it's important to have these sorts of conversations because whether you're black, white or whatever your race is, you know, I've had that question being posed before. When do we talk about race? You know, so I think you and I sharing it from our perspective and sharing, you know, uh, some vulnerability, right? Because like you, I had to answer with my daughter. My wife is from Ukraine, so my kids are biracial um, and they have different hair. And my daughter, for the longest, did not like her curls, right? And I don't know where she heard it from. I think at the age of three, she came home and said she hated her hair and she wanted it to be straight because it wasn't beautiful. You know, so just like you said with your daughter, it's important to let other parents know that, look, these are the conversations that we have to have with our children. So if it helps you to bring up this conversation earlier in your child's life, and if it helps you to educate them to be sensitive that there are people that are going to be, that don't look like you, maybe get out of your echo chamber, I think it's important. So conversations like this and vulnerabilities like this are important, Patrick. So thanks so much for sharing that. But I want to pose a question to you, right? So I remember back in my childhood seeing cartoons on Saturday morning, and I remember that I'm just a Bill cartoon, right? And so cartoons like this get things stuck inside of our head and it normalizes things. How do we, in terms of systemic racism or in terms of just normalizing the conversation around race and having um, exposing that conversation, how do you propose we go about it, whether it's talking to your kids or whether it's talking about it in a professional session, where we make it a, a world a better place or a more open place to have dialogue like this, like you, Madison, and myself are having, where we can talk about these sorts of things? What do you propose in that, in that area? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, you and I, as... Um, you know, African-American fathers, right? This is definitely not just reserved to African-American community, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody should be having a conversation, I believe, with their kids, age-appropriate conversation, right? I know there's different um, conversations you have at different age, but, you know, we definitely have to have that conversation. I propose um, just some thoughts here, uh, recommendations. And this is this is for people in their personal lives, uh, definitely the professional life, lives here at Cisco. Um, three things, right? Be curious, be proximate, and be courageous. Um, wow. Curious in that really educate yourself on racism, implicit bias, um, really increase that awareness. That is going to allow you to rewrite that subconsciousness that we have uh, that's been pervasive, that's been created from 400 years of racism and, and, uh, you know, the thought of, of inferiority and, and things like that, right. Which we can dive into, uh, later. Um, so, so really be curious, right. Get, build that information, um, and then be proximate, right. And that's where mm -hmm. empathy and compassionate comes in. You know, you have the, information from curiosity in your head but proximity is really when you bring your heart into it that's that's now when your head is in the game and your heart in it is in the game that's powerful that's where change happens uh and then just be courageous uh say what needs to be said even if it's not popular um and just have that conversation 
and be vulnerable, right? Be authentic. And I think those three things, uh, if everyone, uh, you know, attempts to do that, I think we're, we're going to be successful. We won't be perfect, but we'll definitely yeah. move the needle. Great point. Madison, how do you feel about that? I know that when things started to, to shake out and different things start to take place in the media, you and I had some conversations and you had some confusion, right? And, you know, so you reached out and we had a very open and honest dialogue. So how do you feel about those three points? Well, I was just thinking, you know, I wrote them down on my notes over here because I think that's so powerful. The curious, proximate, courageous, um, because it's it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. weird, you know, and it, it it's difficult to kind of bring up those conversations, especially as a white individual, you know, you don't really know what to say. You don't really know how to say it. But um, I believe it was Majupe Congleton, actually, who was a previous guest who said, if you if you have a pure heart, you know, people are going to see where your intentions are and they're going to understand. So even if you don't know the words to say, or you're not sure how to say it, if you, you know, to to Patrick's point, if you have that empathy and that compassion and that comes across, your words might not be perfect, but, you know, you're going to get somewhere. And I think just um, our conversations alone, Chris, you know, it, it makes me more comfortable having these conversations because the more you have them, the more you learn, the more perspectives you get. And then you can kind of um, be more courageous, you know, speak up and and know that you have you're kind of armed with more of that knowledge. And it's hard because you don't want to speak for everyone and you don't know um, always the right thing to say, but I think just having the conversation, it's all about learning. And, and Patrick said, you know, we're not going to be perfect, but the more conversations we have, the more we can understand each other, the more knowledge we have. And that's, that's truly how we move the needle. So I will admit I was a little bit nervous and (laughs) I think every conversation is difficult, but the more you have them, the more comfortable you get, the more perspectives you understand. And from there you can, you know, You'll never be able to walk in someone's shoes, but you can have more empathy and more compassion. And I think that's the important part here. Wow, that, that that's a very powerful point, Madison. And, and so, Patrick, let's switch gears a little bit here. So when we have these sorts of conversations, this is a very heavy topic, right? So let's talk about the change that we want to see. Um, one example I want to give is that one individual I'm inspired by, his name is Tristan Walker. And this guy came up through Silicon Valley and, you know, he started his own company that was bought up by Procter & Gamble. And I think the central product a lot of people know is called Bevel. So it's a shaving product geared towards the African-American community. And so they've now released and launched these different brands into skincare products and hair care products and things of that nature. So that's the change that we want to see, right? Here was a guy who was rising through the ranks in Silicon Valley that said, hey, I see a need here. I feel a passion. I feel a calling to help this specific community. So here's what I'm going to go do. And he's been successful at that, right? We've seen Cisco and Chuck Robbins take some aggressive stances in terms of calling out different things, whether it's, you know, making certain paid holidays on Juneteenth um, or whether it's, you know, really, really empathizing with the black employees and those that are disenfranchised or those that may be having a hard time. What's the change that you want to see as a result of, you know, because you're an advocate for change. You've said some positive things. I know that you're very active inside of Cisco and outside of Cisco. What's the change that you want to see as a result of this new spotlight on these difficult issues that we're facing? Yeah, it's um, change is the right word. Uh, that is um, what we need, right? It's, it's um, you know, there's a, there's a quote about, yeah, I think a, a tree, right? A tree that's deep rooted uh, doesn't have to worry about, you know, the, the winds. And, um, you know, taking that in context of if I put just kind of racism, right, systemic and bias, right, that is deep rooted, right, in, in our mm-hmm. culture uh, in many ways. Right. It's it, it's it's getting better. But, you know, since the inception, right, from slavery on, it's been 
deep rooted in our culture. And and yeah, we need winds, right? Tornado uh, forest winds to, to really <laughs> uproot it in this country. So change is is definitely what's needed. You know, I I love to see. Obviously, there there's policy that right. There's legislation. You're mm-hmm. not going to. You can't tell people, you know, not to be biased or racist or things like that. But you can uh, enforce behavior and you can make sure that uh, everybody has an equal playing field and that the decisions that people make aren't putting um, roadblocks in, in a person's path. So I think around policy and legislation, I would love to see uh, things done there that ensures and, and really uh, fosters that equality. Um, same thing with human rights. Uh, really, I think injustice for one is injustice for all, right? And I know that much of the conversation is around um, racism, you know, particularly what's happening today uh, in the African American Black community. But um, you know, I would love to see just more focus on just human rights, right? Sexism, um, uh, you know, people that are against LGBTQ communities, yes. whatever the case may be, right? I think we have to. Um, we have to to really focus in on those types of things and 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 drive forward. Uh, I think diversity in leadership, right? We we definitely have to increase our diversity in in leadership and and ownership uh, businesses, both large and small. Um, those are the types of things that I really think are going to get at the heart of what most of um, I think the impact is, and it's economics. Right. Um, I believe the wealth gap for African-Americans is 10 times less than, you know, their white counterparts. Just just think about that um, for a moment. And, you know, so I really think we have to to um, make some progress when it comes to economics as well. Those are just a few uh, things that come to mind. This podcast is brought to you by We Are Cisco employees who love working at Cisco and are proud to be awarded World's Best Workplace for 2019. I think you have to start somewhere. And when we think about whether it's uh, building a technical foundation at work or whether it's, you know, um, being involved in, you know, an ERO group, it's about starting a foundation and strengthening that foundation. And so I think that's something that we need to do both as a people, as a company, as a country, just as a society is just make sure um, our, our foundations are strengthened. So, so Madison, what do you think about that? Give me your thoughts. No, I agree. And I know um, it's, un- it's truly unfortunate that we have to have these moments in time Um, I think back to Ferguson when I was in college and thought that that was kind of, you know, a pivotal moment. And it's it's unfortunate that these senseless senseless deaths have to keep occurring. But I'm truly hoping that the uprising and the conversation and the change that has occurred within the last, you know, a few months within the country um, really turns us, you know, to a direction for the better. And so um, I do just want to call out as we are the, the We Are Cisco podcast that Cisco has committed to donating, you know, $5 million to the um, Black Lives Matter, Color of Change, the Legal Defense Fund, and the Equal Justice Initiative. I know Chris mentioned earlier that this year we had Juneteenth off as a day for me, um, but Chuck recently announced on August 6th that June 19th is going to be a holiday for, their, I believe, um, 
the US, our U.S. employees. And then also we have been given election day off, which I think is really important. Patrick, you were just talking about legislation. Um, you know, it really matters who we put in office. And so the fact that Cisco has not only given Juneteenth off as a day to recognize the history and the importance around the day, but has given employees the day off to go vote and truly kind of put um, their vote to to good use and not have any reason not to vote, um, I think is huge to kind of lead into change, future change. And so I think that's really important. I think also um, it was on one of our weekly check-ins that the ELT talked about changing, I believe it was whitelist, blacklist, black hat, white hat um, yeah. terms. And I think that's really important because we don't even realize, you know, that white, black, good, bad, it's just built into our, you know, our systems. It's built into our daily vernacular. And and there's a reason behind, you know, why one is good and one is bad. And so I think those changes are really important. Do I think it's going to solve everything? No, it's, it's probably just the start. You know, this is a drop in the bucket. But I think Cisco has always been really progressive. And it's something that I've realized over the years at Cisco, whether it's around, um, you know, race or if it's just diversity or, you know, um, the way that we have um, parent time off when you give birth or grandparent time off, like Cisco truly is leading at the forefront of all of this. And I think it's just, it, it, it trickles down, you know, to the employees. It empowers us to put action behind our thoughts and our beliefs. And, you know, we have, I believe, five extra days this year to give back to charities and causes that are important to us with our time. And so I think it's a great step and I hope that this doesn't fizzle out. I hope that this is just, you know, the start of the fire that keeps burning and keeps propelling us forward. I know mm-hmm. we've had different, um, not even employee resource groups, but different business groups. Like in supply chain, I believe they hosted um, watching viewing parties for 13 in Hamilton, I believe it was. And so that's just a great way, you know, to start a conversation, to talk about art in our society, whether it's a book, a movie, a podcast, a play, you know, that's just a chance to kind of start that conversation, that that curiosity that leads to the courageousness and the proximity. So, um, you know, I, I hope this isn't just a Band-Aid. I hope this is the beginning that will lead to longer and larger lasting effects. Yeah. Agree. No, I totally agree. It's uh, totally agree with you there. And, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I found that was really impactful and I've heard from others, right. The leader of, of the organization that, that I'm in, Mike Salamita, he's hosted several courageous conversations where people have just come and just provided just riveting, um, you know, jaw dropping, um, you know, just conversations that really made you think and really, um, you know, really help people understand the problem, right? Uh, really close that gap in terms of proximity. And that's been very helpful. And people have found a lot of value out of those. So I think leaders should um, really foster those courageous conversations. You know, leadership is about action and example. And clearly, Right. Cisco is taking action and is being the example for industry. And, you know, some other things that I think are very valuable. Right. The multiplier effect that's around sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a beneficiary of of sponsorship. Um, You you know, when you ask me, 
how did I get here? Right. I was, I was sponsored. Um, um, or I built those relationships to where a sponsor found me and was able to, to, uh, help me in my career now. Right. I'm, I'm being sponsored, uh, as well. Right. I, you know, Maria Martinez is the, uh, for, uh, a customer experience leader, right. She's mm-hmm. really championing multiplier effect and, um, also the Alvio Barrios for CX Americas, right. That's top of mind for him. So that is these, you know, sponsorship is, is very important. Um, I think also supporting nonprofits, non-for-profits, uh, that support equality. That's, that's key. And then training, uh, make sure to take advantage of the conscious culture training that Cisco is providing. Cause that's really important. Couldn't agree more, Patrick. Um, so, so Patrick, we thank you so much for spending this time with us. You know, I think this is a very heavy conversation and, and it's not easy sometimes to expose the different vulnerabilities that we deal with, right? Because sometimes, you know, we want to, it, it's easy sometimes to keep your work and your day job separate from the things that affect you and your family at home. So thank you so much for opening the door to, you know, giving us a lens into, you know, your mind and kind of what you're doing in this new normal and how you're raising your family. Um, you, you shared some great nuggets of wisdom here. So in exchange for you spending the time with us, we'd like to start to close with, you know, the floor is now yours. Is there anything in which we can use this platform to help promote for you? I would want to use the time to just, you know, leave something with the audience, right? It's a, it's a quote that has really stuck with me throughout life and it's really helped shape my life and it really represents how I think. And it's a quote that Robert F. Kennedy uh, stated in the in the 40s. And it goes, some men see things as they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. All right. This wow. is Cisco. We are Cisco. And we will power an inclusive future for all. So why not lean forward? Look to change the landscape for racism, equality, sexism, right? Why not um, make change happen for human rights and all people, right? Why not dream big and become a change agent that you want to see? That's all I have. Awesome. Thanks for stopping by, Patrick. We appreciate it. And we'll catch you in the next one. No, I appreciate this, uh, Chris and Madison, and look forward to the next one. Thank you. You've been listening to the We Are Cisco podcast with Chris Richardson and Madison Setness. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, feel free to leave us a review. You can keep up with us by following We Are Cisco on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Cisco on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening.